0: In this portion of scripture that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, the Lord reveals to us that his Father is our Father too. In the 8th verse he said, For your Father knows the things you have need of. But then he says when we pray, we pray our Father. The Father of Jesus is God Almighty. And through Christ Jesus, this same God is our Father. We have been brought into a family relationship with him. We do not exercise religion, but we enjoy a wonderful and holy relationship with God Almighty through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say how we ought to pray, that our Father's name is holy, that he has a kingdom, that we should desire that his will be done here as it is in heaven that we need to ask him to give us uh, what we need on a daily basis, the forgiveness of our debts, forgiveness of our sins as we forgive our debtors, not to be led into temptation but to be delivered from the evil one because his is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, and then the admonition that we are to forgive men their trespasses. We do that. Our Heavenly Father will forgive us, but if we don't, he won't. Amen. God, our Father, loves us. This is a truth that we must embrace if we're going to have any peace at all in this world. We must embrace the truth that our Heavenly Father loves us. His attitude toward us is one of love. His perspective toward us is one of love. He looks upon us as those who've been accepted in the beloved. We are dearly loved by God Almighty. John 3 and 14 Jesus said as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. But have eternal life. In John 3 and 16. We all know this. We were taught this. Many in, in, in Sunday school when you were children. For God so loved the world. That means he loved us. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world. To condemn the world. But that the world through him. Might be saved, for God so loved the world that He proved it by giving His only begotten Son. Not only does God declare His love for us; listen, God proves His love for us. It's one thing to say I love you; it's something else to prove it. I, you know, and and, a lot of people don't come to me for for counsel as far as you know. interpersonal relationships, getting married, stuff like that. Go, this one thing, say, I love you, baby. It's another to hold her head when she's puking her guts out at 3 o'clock in the morning. One is a declaration. The other is evidence of the fact. God not only declares. He said, I got you all of your attention now. What was going to say next? God not only declares his love for us, but he has proved it. He has nothing else left to prove. Think about that for a second. He has nothing else left to prove. He has proven his love for us through the sacrifice of his only begotten son. Not only does he love us, he gives to us. Luke 11 and 11. Everything I'm going to read are words of Christ. Amen. Jesus said, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then be an evil, woo, that cuts us down to size, don't it? If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He gives to us, and the Lord Jesus makes a comparison between an earthly Father and our heavenly Father. You know, I. I seven grandchildren whom I love dearly from college to almost two years of age. And it's been the case with all of them and and especially with with old number seven, little Grayson, because we know he's the last one. And he's going to be two years old here in just a few more days. But let me tell you something, beloved. When little Grayson Tyler walks up to his granddaddy and does this, I pick him up every time. Now, if I have that capability to love someone as much as I love my grandchildren? How much more does our Heavenly Father love us? Because I'm going to be up front with you. I would not sacrifice one of my grandchildren to save you from your sin. I just ain't there. But our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he has given his only begotten son so that we might be saved. And Jesus said, if these earthly fathers will do this, will show these expressions to you, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you're seeking for the baptism this morning, just turn loose. He wants us to receive it more than we want it. Amen. And it's not, the trouble ain't on his end. The trouble, and I, you know, for those of you who have never heard my, you know, Holy Ghost baptism uh, testimony I kept people in the altar. They turned the lights out on me after service. I mean, Brother Johnson loved me, but he turned the lights out on me anyway. Well, let's turn the lights out because Andy may be here for a while. And I begged, and people laid hands on me and slapped me on the head and grabbed a hold, told me to let go, told me to hold on. You know, told me, gave me all this great advice, and oh, and I just, oh, help me. But on a Tuesday night at a prayer meeting at the end of a kid's Sunday school room table, Praise God. I've I've, just allowed the Lord to do what he desired to do for me. And the first thing that occurred to me, after I I'm going to say come to myself, when I quit speaking in tongues, the first thing that occurred to me, I was ashamed myself. Because I said, ooh. I could have had this the first time I asked for it. And so could we all. He wants to give it to us, beloved. If we just Turn loose, hang on, do hang by the chandeliers, whatever it is you gotta do to get to that place where you just, you know, allow the Spirit of God to saturate you and allow Jesus Christ to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And for most folks, like it was for me, it was tongues. Well, I, I received that utterance and I would not speak it out because I didn't know what I said. And I promise you, every person ever received the baptism of the Holy Ghost had to get past the devil telling him you ain't getting the Holy Ghost. Which is stupid. Because if you're going to get some unclean spirit, why would the devil tell you? Why wouldn't he just lay back and let you get an unclean? No, he knows it's no unclean spirit. He knows it's a holy spirit, and he don't want you to have it because this baptism is a baptism of power. Hallelujah! You come up off wherever it is you at, full of the Holy Ghost. Fear of the devil is the last thing on your mind. You ain't afraid of nothing. Fear leaves. Because it is the spirit of God that empowers us, enables us, and grants us a holy confidence. I'll never forget it. Right out there in that vestibule, a lady had an unclean spirit. That thing lunged at Brother Otis. I thought, mistake. Brother Otis just stood up and said, I ain't scared of you. Come out of here in the name of Jesus. Now we're talking about an unclean spirit now. And here's Brother Otis, full of, I'm standing beside him, but Brother Otis is one full of the Holy Ghost that just took authority over this thing. So baptism of power. Well, what happened? It come out and got shooed out the door. Amen. How much more your Heavenly Father does, and, and, and I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad. I'm not saying you're bad or you're wrong or nothing. You are just like I am. If you're seeking a baptism haven't received it yet, you in good company. you in company with me. I've been where you are. What I want to encourage you today is that it's valid, it's for you. You keep on praying, you keep on singing, seeking, you keep on believing God, and one day it's going to happen. Luke 12 and 24, Jesus said, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying, Boy, I tell you what, if I could stamp this on everybody's head, And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? You can worry if you want to, but your worrying is not going to affect the issue at all. All your worrying is going to do is put you in early grave. All your worrying is going to do is make you sick, because it does. If you, then, are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Now, here's the, the first line of a great song Sister Carolyn sings. Consider the lilies. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. Verse 31. This is something that I wish our government would embrace and, and, and just bring into legislation. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. That would replace welfare. Just get political here for a second. If we will seek the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to us. We try to manipulate and maneuver and do all this stuff If we want to affect our circumstance and our situation, can I help somebody this morning? If your situation needs affecting, if you got an issue that needs some divine attention, if you will seek first the kingdom of God, everything you need shall be added to you. If you make the kingdom of God your first priority, all these things that you need, will be added to you. What a wonderful promise that is. You know, last night there was people, and I just, I'll just use Chattuga County. Last night there was people got blind drunk in Chattuga County because we got a liquor store now in Larley. You don't have to ride to Rome no more. You can just ride down to Larley and get yourself liquored up. You don't have to go to the bootleggers. All them poor old bootleggers out of business now because we got beer and liquor in Chattooga County. But they was people that went and, and took hard-earned money and bought them enough liquor to get themselves cross-eyed drunk last night. And right now, as I speak, their head is a throbbing, cause at six o'clock this morning they was embracing a toilet. Come on, give me an amen, Frankie. <laughs> I pick on Frankie, y'all. God love you. They're seeking what? Peace. They're worried. And we see the efforts of the enemy to instill worry in us. Just turn on the news. Fox, CNN, MN, MSNBC. It's like Chicken Little screaming, Lordy, loud Lordy, the you know, sky's falling. And we get worried. Woo, what are we going to do if a Democrat gets elected? Well, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and see what happens. It got me through eight years of Barack Obama Brother Andy, don't get political. I ain't getting political. I'm getting biblical, praise God. What you believe and how you act makes a difference. I don't care who you are. But the grace of God got me through that. He'll get me through whichever of these people who were on TV for seven hours of the night talking about climate change. I done preached a message on scriptural climate change. Brother Andy, you believe the climate's going to change? I absolutely guarantee you it's going to change. Why? Because Jesus Christ is going to split the eastern sky and he's going to grab his church and jerk us out of here. And after seven years, he's coming back. His foot's going to hit the Mount of Olives and you're going to have some change there, praise God. There's going to be a climate change when he walks in that rebuilt temple and sits down on the throne of his father David, hallelujah, and who shall rule for 1,000 years with a rod of iron. You talk about a climate change, beloved. There's going to be some more climate change when Jesus comes back. Now at the end of 1000 year millennial reign, devils let loose. There's a short rebellion. God the Father responds. At the end of the tribulation period, God the Son responds. But at the end of the millennial reign, God the Father going to respond. It's going to be quick. Hell's going to vomit its contents and all them folks are going to a lake of fire. And then the Father is going to renovate this planet. It will be different. It will be, listen, perfected as it was before sin messed it up. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock. For, listen, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is our Heavenly Father's good pleasure. He delights to give as a gift, us, the kingdom of God. It is his pleasure to do that. What is his perspective toward us? It is one of love, and he is one who gives. We are to worship him, John 4 and 23. Jesus talking at one of but the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. That's why I address that every time I pray at the beginning of every service. Lord, we've come here. We thank you that we can come here, but we only have one purpose in mind when we fill up this sanctuary, when we enter this place. We have come here to worship you in spirit and in truth. So we worship him. Because he is worthy to be worshipped. And when I talk about worship, beloved, I'm talking about bringing a sacrifice. Now, praise is just telling the truth. That the Lord is good and greatly to be praised. You want to praise God, just tell the truth about Jesus. Wonderful counselor. I mean, go on down the list. That's praise. You know, and that's what we ought to do. But, beloved, worship requires a sacrifice. And we are to worship God. We are to present our bodies, a what? Living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That is how we worship him. We bring him a sacrifice. We don't drag some critter in here and cut it off and pours blood out in a bowl and do all this other stuff. No, no, we are in the new covenant. We come and we offer our bodies, our lives, as a living sacrifice. That's how we worship him in spirit. And in truth, the Father will come to us. John 14 and 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Dwell on that for a second. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Father will come to us. Praise God. Jesus said we will come to him and make our home with him. How does he do that? Let's find out and discover who we really are. Romans 8 and 14, the apostle writes to us and says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now that's just not, you know, just for men only. That that can also be translated children of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, These are sons of God. These are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Listen. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ and he forgave you of your sins and he washed your sins away. and You were born again. Your name was written in Lamb's book of life. And you were justified, sanctified, saved altogether you receive the Holy Spirit of adoption. Now, some Pentecostals are confused on this point, but I'm not. If you're saved, you have received the Holy Spirit of adoption. Now, there's a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation and being baptized in the Holy Spirit and receiving the endowment of power for service. The gift of God to the world, the lost world, to folks who are sinners, folks who were trying to get over last night, The gift of God to sinners is Jesus. For through him we are born again and we are saved. The gift of God to his children who are saved is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That we might be empowered and enabled to serve God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, listen, that we Are children of God. Now we don't believe that. Hey, you know. You don't know what I believe. You don't even know who Bobby Cox is. Because we don't act like it. We are the children of God. I appreciate what Brother Dan said. Brother Dan's a humble man. He's a good man Child of God Does a great work with the choir Loves the Lord Leading his family in the right direction And he's humble when he said I'm just an ordinary man But he's not Our God is extraordinary But he's a child of God That makes all the difference in the world We are a chosen generation We have been sanctified Whoo, glory what does that mean? That means we have been removed from this group and set apart into this group. There's a whole big old group of people who are lost as a day old duck and on their way to hell as I speak. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we are removed from that group and we are placed into the family of God. Once I was a sinner, lost in darkest night. We know the song. But I'm not anymore. I have been redeemed. We sing that. I have been redeemed. Now what messes us up is that we are all too familiar with our own weaknesses. We are all too familiar with our own failures. We are all too familiar with our own mess ups. And the enemy bombards us constantly with this idea that we are hopeless and helpless and poor and pitiful and that's just lie of the devil because what he does not want the children of God to understand is that we are that chosen generation that we have access to the very throne of almighty God in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Well, what does that mean? Praise God. That means we can get stuff done because it's not we who does it. It is the Lord who does it through us. We understand the blessings we have received because we are the children of God. We have access. We have been empowered. We have been bought with a price. We have been sanctified. We have been separated for his service. We are not poor and pitiful. We are are not Discouraged or depressed or all this? that's for lost people. That's for lost people. I'm going to share a little personal something with you, then we going to pray. because the Lord's got this thing set up this morning the way He wants it. You've heard me speak of my uncle Jimmy Hutchins. Many of you remember him. My uncle Jimmy Hutchins wasn't in school long enough to learn how to read. He could barely scribble his name. He never owned a car. He never lived in a house that he owned. And until he was well up in years, he never lived in a house that had indoor plumbing. He had to walk the path. I'm talking in the 70s, folks. I ain't talking about back in the, you know, in the 30s and 40s. He lived down in Happy Valley. We called it Happy Valley because we didn't live in Berknobsville. That was a joke. Most of y'all didn't get that. Don't know nothing about Barrett anyway. He never owned a car. He never had he never had over a hundred dollars to his name anytime. Anytime. When he was a young man, he had an experience. He followed along the path of a couple of his brothers. How I many of y'all know where the and cotton mill used to be? It's the big place. Y'all know where that's at. Well, my Uncle Jimmy Hutchins just lived right down the road a little bit from that. The shack where my father was born still stands. I can take you down there and show it to you. That's where the Hutchins family lived. Dirt, burnt, poor, dirt, poor. And Jimmy got a hold of some booze somehow, white lightning something. And he crawled up in a freight car at the cotton mill. And he passed out and went to sleep. And when he woke up, he was in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, he didn't have a cell phone so say, hey, come get me. He was in a, in a box car, and he was hungover, and he was hurting, and he was in Birmingham, Alabama, wondering how in the world he was ever going to get back to Chattooga County. But he got down and prayed, Oh, Lord, if you'll get me back home, I'll never touch another dry I'll never do it. I'll come to try. I'll serve you. That was his salvation prayer. The Lord honored him and got him back to Chattooga County. And he never took another drink. And he, start, and he started going to church. He was church, regular. And he did stuff for folks. He was, if, if a lady was a... Have y'all remember Sister Tena Peg, down in Burton? Raise your hand if you remember Sister Tena Peg. When well, you get to heaven, you'll know her. She's there. He would go down, help mow her grass. That's before weed eaters. And, and how, how my Uncle Jimmy did the weed eating was by hand. He just grabbed it and pulled it up around the trees and pulled it up around the house. That's how he, how he did his weed eating. And he wouldn't ask anything for it because the Bible said you're supposed to do good for widow women. And listen, my Uncle Jimmy, what the Bible said was it. That was it. The Bible said it. No more debate. No more arguing. No more nothing. And he went to church. He served God. And he, he had awful respiratory problems, asthma. I've heard my Uncle Jimmy just cough. In the middle of the night, it, uh, heartbreaking. Coughing and praying, coughing and praying, coughing and praying. Oh, God. He got bad enough, he had to go to the nursing home. Now, for us, that's a death sentence for most of us. I ain't going to the nursing home. God, take me first. I mean, just take me on out. When my Uncle Jimmy got to the nursing home, you know what his attitude was? Praise God. I don't have to shovel coal in the wintertime. They got heat. I don't have to turn on a fan and burn up in the summertime. They got air conditioning here. He grabbed me on the arm and said, I get three meals a day. What we would whine and cry and complain about, my Uncle Jimmy gave God thanks for. He said, I got a good roommate. And I just praise the Lord. Before this building was constructed, we were over on Bell Avenue going to church in the Seventh-day building. I remember when he was well enough that I could go get him and bring him to church. I remember the first time I did, and after that, other folks would. But I went and picked Jimmy up at the nursing home and got him in the car. Hey, son. And he he, he loved me all my life, and he was proud of me. When he got in that car just a very low voice, he began to say, I'll never forget it. I won't remember who Bobby Cox is tomorrow, but I won't ever forget this. I'm going to the house of the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to the house of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Going through town, through the red lights, I didn't say nothing to him. He was just over there like this. Praise God, I'm going to the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to the house of the Lord. Praise God. meant everything to him. What we take for granted. Many think it's as well, you know. Later on, when this land was dedicated, we had the first dedication day service, rock altar service. We were dripping the oil on the rock altar because we didn't know what we were doing. We knew how we were led, but we just didn't know, you know. And we'd go and put our thumb over the oil bottle. and We'd drip a little bit, drip a little bit. If Y'all who were there, you remember it was a very windy, cool day. We had Jimmy bundled up. He had that big black overcoat. He had a red scarf around his neck. We had him on, had a hat on. We had him all bundled up. He should have been over the nursing home, but no, he, he was here. And I helped him up, and, and he made the little steps. Went up, we handed him a bottle of oil. When he got it, he didn't do what we did. He turns it up and pours it out. And when this man, of no consequence as far as the world is concerned, in obedience to the Holy Spirit, just poured that bottle of anointed oil up, God made His presence known. The spirit of, I mean it would just went. and the Lord blessed. You know why? Because a man who knew he was a child of God. As far as this world was concerned, he wasn't nothing, uneducated, poor, backward, but from heaven's perspective. He's a child. And I'll honor him. I'll let my other children do a little dripping. But when my son Jimmy gets up there, I'm going to move on him. He's going to pour it out, and I'm going to teach my children a lesson. That my spirit is not dribbled out. My spirit is poured out. When the doctor tells you you have cancer, there is an immediate dread. There is an immediate deflation. Oh, God. There is immediate apprehension. Well, this is the death sentence. But I'm here to tell you that we are the children of God. Those rules don't apply to us. I can see you, boy. Those rules don't apply to us. That baby won't make it. That baby's got cancer. She won't live to see another birthday. But those rules don't apply to us, Brother Dennis. Because we are the children of God. We have access to the throne of God. And we're going to pray like the children of God pray. On a Wednesday night, as Gail Chastain was in the intensive care unit at Redmond. Yeah, I believe it was Redmond. This church gathered around this altar and prayed. She had a turtle, what they called it, that enabled her to breathe. And you can't stay on that thing long. You have to be weaned off of it. If not, you'll never be weaned off of it. And she had been on it a good while. And on a Wednesday night service, just an ordinary Wednesday night, We gathered around in this altar. We prayed for Gail Chastain, for the Lord to touch her. And I went to the hospital the next day, visiting hours. Look, that's five minutes past visiting hours. It's ten minutes past visiting hours. What are they doing? Well, they're working with somebody back there. Well, they were. They were taking the turtle off Gail Chastain because the Lord had touched her that night. That is the God that we serve. We got some folks Who've been given some very serious diagnosis Lois Anderson is one pancreas, liver Dorothy and I visited with her in the hospital she was under the influence of pain medication and she could just barely keep her eyes open even to speak with us but we have another in service this morning with whom we're going to pray because she has heard not the exact diagnosis but one that is similar and we're going to pray for her and we're going to believe our God to do for her what man cannot do